Hi again, this is Phil Calvert. Thank you very much for joining me on this quick recording. Um, I wanted to, rather than do a sort of full-on webinar, I just wanted to do something, a bit of a roundup on uh, what I think would be great New Year marketing resolutions for financial advisors for 2022. Now, these aren't um, ideas that I just sort of randomly pick because they sound like a good idea. Literally everything you're going to hear, I'm going to show you 10 marketing resolutions for the new year. Everything that you're going to hear, everything I'm going to talk about has been based on questions, answers, consultancy sessions, and feedback that I've had from financial advisors over the last year. It's been a really interesting year for financial advisor marketing, and there'll be some interesting trends that have started to appear. So I just wanted to develop one or two of these things and arrive at some focus as to what I think we need to be uh, looking more at and really getting to grips with uh, in the new year. So let's get started and uh, kick off straight away. So first thing of all, possibly the most important one of all, is to really get a grip on your website and social media management information, your numbers. And one of the first things I will be doing, if I'm looking at my marketing for 2022, one of the first things I really wanna be doing is actually looking at some data. And that'll mean digging into your Google Analytics or other uh, tools that you use. Most financial advisors businesses are using Google Analytics. But what's really interesting is the overwhelming majority of financial advisor businesses, particularly small to medium-sized businesses, really don't know a where their numbers can be found or have a clue as to what's going on. And I don't just say that kind of glibly or loosely. Uh, this is from literally every single financial advisor firm that I work with, every single workshop that I run with financial advisors. I always ask the question, hands up, who knows how many people visited your website last month? And it's usually less than 10%, often not even as high as that. Now, I appreciate that not all of you watching this run your own business. Maybe you're an employed financial advisor in somebody else's business. But I, th I believe this, this information is really important to you as well. If you are being represented on a financial advisor firm's website, it would presumably be useful for you to know whether or not that website is actually doing its stuff. Is it attracting people to it? Are they looking at your particular page? Are they reading your profile? And so on and so forth. But for those of you that, you know, you've got access to these numbers, um, I'd urge you to look into your Google Analytics. Um, you know, there may be somebody in your firm who's already got those numbers. Um, it may be your website designer, but really get a handle. And when you look at the numbers, you want to be looking at the basic stuff. Um, tools like Google Analytics give a huge amount of information, way more than the most financial advisors would ever need. But you need to know the basics. You know, how many people viewed your website last month? What did they type into Google that led you there? Which were the pages on your website that they looked at? How long did they hang around? What was the page where they finally got bored and decided to leave? There is some basic information like that that you really want to know. One of the most important figures is known as the bounce rate, and that is the percentage of people who arrive on your website and then leave without looking at another page. Now, for most financial advisors, a good bounce rate is lower than 25%. So you should expect to be losing 
25% of your website visitors straight, straight away. But it's the others. Uh, we want to know what sort of percentage are actually sticking around and visiting other pages. And have a look and see which are the pages that are most popular, which are the pages where people hang around for the longest. Then look at those pages and think, you know, what can I learn from those particular pages? And maybe how could we replicate that elsewhere on our website? So this is actually basic stuff. Know your numbers. Look at the numbers. What can you see from those numbers? You don't need to be a technology geek to understand what's going on. It's pretty straightforward. What's obviously not working? You know, are 80% of people arriving on your website homepage and then leaving? If they are, that's a problem. Something needs changing. Now, there are lots of things that you could change about your website. We haven't got time to go into that today. But basically what I'm saying is just get on top of this. And for the new year, perhaps make a commitment to being right on top of your numbers. Every month, I believe this is key management information that you should be on top of, particularly if it's your business. But if you work as part of an advisor team, work together, um, encourage the owners of your business to be transparent in these sort of things because it affects everybody and it potentially affects the number of leads that you will get to work on. So check your website numbers and commit to knowing them and being on top of them every single month. The next New Year's resolution. And this comes out of the fact that when I work with financial advisor firms, the overwhelming majority do not have a marketing strategy. They have a kind of business strategy. Um, and quite often that's not in, in, in any great depth, but they rarely have a marketing strategy. Now, whenever I mention marketing strategy, a lot of people think, oh, this is going to be awkward. This is going to be difficult. It's going to be time consuming. Um, and I've never put a marketing strategy together, um, so I wouldn't really know where to start. So there is no need to overcomplicate this. Um, it is as simple as knowing, you know, what's our, what's our goal as a business? Where are we trying to get to? Um, what, what's the big picture? And it's important to remember that um, a lot of that will be achieved through the way you market and promote your services as financial planners, as financial advisors. Now, but it's also important to remember that there are different ways to achieve that goal. If you look at it in terms of a mountain, and this is a, a kind of model that I, I use a lot, look at your business, the top of the mountain, that's the big goal for your business. But of course, we all know there are different routes to get to that goal. And in, when you express that in marketing terms, that could be a variety of different tactics along the way. So it's also really important to monitor your progress. If you are climbing up a, uh, a mountain, you will be monitoring the weather, for example. You'd be looking at the external factors that could influence your ability to actually get to the top. So you need to be able to adapt to changing conditions along the way. And in many ways, when I say have a marketing strategy, it can be as simple as this. What is your business goal? and then break that down and think about it and think, okay, to achieve that business goal, maybe we need X number of new clients this particular year. And then think about, okay, where can we find those clients? What sort of clients do we want? What sort of activities, what sort of marketing activities and tactics could we employ to help us to reach those particular people? So if you do nothing else, well, I've already said, if you do nothing else, monitor your numbers, but this is so, so important. If you don't have a big business goal, if you don't have a marketing strategy behind it, any kind of marketing activities that you put in place are going to be 
vague at best. So be really clear about this. And, you know, a marketing strategy doesn't have to be a 20 page document. Um, it can be as simple as literally back of an envelope job as long as you do something. As long as you get some clarity on where you're trying to get to and you really think about what are the different routes that we could take to get to that goal, then you are already making progress. Um, so important to think about that one. So set marketing goals. And I know different, um, you know, right now we're approaching the end of December 2021. And I know not every financial advisor has their has their their business year is, is a calendar year. But think mo most people are using this time of year to to sort of regroup, start thinking, getting some focus, actually set some goals. If you know what your goal for your business is going to be, then set some marketing goals, stick to them but adapt to changing circumstances, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, and, but as long as you've got something written down, one of the problems with marketing today, particularly for financial advisors, is there are too many shiny objects. And, you know, time and time again, I have financial advisors saying to me, oh, Phil Jones and Co down the road, uh, they're using LinkedIn, maybe we should give that a go. And Smith and Co down the road, they're using uh, YouTube, maybe we should give that a go. And somebody else down the road, they're using Instagram, maybe we should give that a go. And I have to say, give that a go is not uh, a marketing goal. It is not a strategy. Tweet and hope is not a plan. So if we do know what our business goal is going to be, set some marketing goals. And you know, if you don't achieve that goal or a particular goal, or you only get halfway towards it, we don't want to beat ourselves up about it. Just the act of setting marketing goals will help to give us some focus. And you will discover that you make much more progress down the road to your main business goal if you set some marketing goals than if you set no marketing goals at all. So again, keep this simple. It doesn't need to be complicated, but get a little bit of focus and really think about what are, what are the ideal clients that we want to be serving, we want to be working with. What sort of marketing activities do we believe will help to reach those ideal clients? And then write it down. Setting marketing goals is literally about writing things down. It's not about just having them in the back of our head and hoping that it'll work. Okay, on to the next one. LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn right now is a powerhouse of opportunity for financial advisors. Now, in our Facebook group, um, Life Talk, whenever LinkedIn comes up uh, in any of the posts, um, there's always a whole bunch of people who say, oh, no, we've given up on LinkedIn, uh, gave up a couple of years ago, far too many recruiters approaching us. Um, I just don't get it. Now, you have to remember that at the end of the day, LinkedIn is a piece of software. Like any other piece of software that you use in your business, unless you've been trained in how to use it, you will never see the real benefits. Now, let me just give you one example. Um, the most common complaint that financial advisors give to me about LinkedIn is they say, there are too many recruiters approaching me. Now, I have to tell you that if you as a financial advisor are being approached by recruiters, it's your fault. Okay, it's not their fault, it's your fault. And the reason why it's your fault is because you are not positioning your profile on LinkedIn to be aimed at your ideal potential client. Now, 
If you then turn around and say to me, ah, oh, but Phil, our ideal potential clients are not on LinkedIn, then no wonder that recruiters are approaching you. If you say to me, our ideal perfect client is very wealthy people in their 90s, then there's a good chance that they are not actually going to be on LinkedIn. But for the overwhelming majority of financial advisors, potential clients are going to be on LinkedIn in some way, shape or form. But you have to know what sort of clients you want to target and you have to write your profile and position it accordingly. If you just present yourself as a kind of generic financial advisor on LinkedIn, that is just meat and drink to recruiters. Recruiters know how to use the LinkedIn search tools. And if you're not targeting yourself at particular types of people, they'll just focus in on you with laser precision. So if recruiters are approaching you on LinkedIn uh, and you don't want them to, I'm afraid it's your fault. So um, again, I do whole day workshops on, on how to use LinkedIn effectively. Um, but simple things are know who you want to uh, be talking to on LinkedIn. Uh, write your profile accordingly so that if one of these people finds you and there are all sorts of different ways to help them to find you, when they arrive on your profile, they've got to go, ah, I need to talk to this financial advisor. You also need to think, okay, when they do start looking at your profile, have a plan for what you want them to do next or what you think should happen. Invariably, it starts with a conversation. Thanks for looking at my profile today. Hope you found something of interest. Out of interest, can I ask you what it was that prompted you to, to visit my profile? Start a conversation and aim to take that conversation off LinkedIn. Um, what do I mean by off LinkedIn? I mean into a coffee shop, onto a Zoom call, onto a Teams call. You know, people do actually attract high value investment and pensions business directly from complete strangers on LinkedIn. But what usually has to happen first is some sort of conversation. So you need to have a think about what am I going to say to people when they look at my profile? Where do I want to take them next? Do I want to try and incentivize them to talk to me further? Maybe offer them uh, a download, a guide or something that you've written, an article, a video, a little mini course, something like that but have something up your sleeve. Now, I'm going to give you an example later of what I do on LinkedIn, uh, which genuinely brings me in more leads and inquiries than I could ever possibly, um, you know, cope with for that matter. Um, and commit to posting content that is relevant to your target market on LinkedIn. So please don't dismiss LinkedIn. Commit to understanding how it works commit to getting some real focus on knowing who you want to approach you on LinkedIn, update your profile accordingly, um, know what you want to happen when these people start arriving on your profile, and they will, and there's all sorts of different ways to, to make sure that they do visit you, um, and commit to using the site because it's incredibly powerful. It genuinely does work. So that's another uh, New Year's resolution for 2022. Another one um, which I've been coming increasingly sold on is uh, Google My Business. Basically a free service from Google. It gives you uh, a, a listing, a directory listing, uh, for want of a better expression, on Google. Um, and, you know, if Google's encouraging you to use one of its services that it offers for free, that is going to give you greater visibility in search results, then 
I urge you to use it. Um, it's really, really important. But um, there are all sorts of experts on Google My Business. Phil Bray at the Yardstick Agency, uh, he's an expert on it as well. But just one or two things that's worth, worth bearing in mind. And the first thing I would say about to bear in mind about Google My Business is don't just create a listing on Google My Business and then just sit back and go, I'm now in the world of e-commerce I'll watch all of my ideal clients come to me. It doesn't quite work that way. So claim your profile. Just go onto Google and, and search Google My Business. Um, and you'll find an area that you can log in, claim your profile, fully complete it. And I would urge, you know, any of these online listings, fully complete it. And that goes for LinkedIn as well. If you've got a LinkedIn profile, fully complete it. The single biggest mistake that financial advisors make on LinkedIn is not fully completing their profile. Anyway, back to Google My Business, fully complete your Google My Business profile. When people are looking at Google My Business profiles, Google wants to make sure that these people get value. And if you haven't completely filled out your profile, you are not potentially giving them value. So Google will downplay your visibility to some extent. So fully complete it. Um, make sure that your contact information is detailed and accurate. In other words, if somebody does arrive on your Google My Business profile, make sure that they've got plenty of different ways to get in touch with you and the details are correct. You can also publish posts and you can put photos. Um, so perhaps, you know, photos of your team, photos of activities that you get up to. Maybe you're doing some seminars, maybe you're doing some webinars. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things that go on in financial advisor businesses. Take pictures, post them onto your Google My Business profile, tell stories with these pictures. You know, this is why Instagram works so well for so many businesses, because you can use imagery to tell stories and human beings love stories. So use the tools that Google provides you with. If consumers ask you questions, answer those questions. If people give you a review on Google My Business, respond to those reviews, say thank you. Amazing how many people fail to say thank you when someone uh, is given a review on Google My Business. You can also add uh, products, services, and links. So not just your main website link can go on there and you can put links to specific pages on your website or you can put links to all sorts of, you know, if you've got all sorts of other uh, a presence on the internet, you can put links to that as well. And finally, keep it up to date. Don't just let it sit there, um, use it, work it. Okay, uh, uh, it's exactly the same thing I just mentioned with LinkedIn. Don't just fill it out, sit back and wait for something to happen. Use it, work it. You know, ideally firms like Google want you to pay for advertising. Ideally, LinkedIn wants you to pay for advertising. Ideally, Facebook wants you to pay for advertising, but they all offer a free element and you wanna make the most of it, okay? So use the tool and use as much as the free stuff as you possibly can right up to the, right up to the limit. So use Google My Business. Um, there's all sorts of uh, videos on YouTube on how to make the best of it. There's all sorts of articles, there's all sorts of blogs. It's super simple, it's free. You might as well make the most of it. I think um, education is a really, really key thing for financial advisors. One of my little hobby horses when it comes to 
financial advice and financial planning is that we know what it is as financial advisors across the profession, but I firmly believe that there are millions of people out there who need the help and guidance and advice and expertise of financial advisors who don't actually know what financial planning is. We know what it is, but you know, many, many consumers, they don't really get it until they've experienced it. And simply having a website that says we're committed to great service, we've been financial advisors for the last 400 years, um, we're well known in Reading or Leeds or London or wherever we are, you know, that in this day and age, that just doesn't cut it anymore. Pictures of hot air balloons, pictures of compasses and lighthouses and old folks flying kites with their grandchildren. It's meaningless. It doesn't, doesn't tell people anything these days. So people need to get a sense of who you are. They need to get a sense of your expertise. They need to get a sense of your credibility and indeed your trustworthiness. So one way to do that is to educate people. Use the expertise and experience you have got and turn that expertise into other products and services that you can give away for free or indeed sell. So a blog, a podcast, a video, uh, public speaking. Um, I'm increasingly seeing more and more financial advisors speaking in schools and universities, which is great. Write a guide, write a webinar, write a white paper, write a, write a special report, write a research paper. But if you can, write a book. So here's Catherine, Catherine Morgan, rising star in the world of financial planning. She, she really works the internet. She knows her target market. She goes at that target market with a huge amount of clarity. And, you know, this is her latest book. It's not about the money. As I speak right now, uh, it has been number one in at least a dozen categories on Amazon. Mike Legasic here of Manning & Co. Lovely fella. Um, he sent me a copy of his book, Your Money or Your Life. And, you know, he's really, really proud of what he's done there. But just, just flipping through just a few pages of Mike's book there, gives consumers an insight into what financial advice and what financial planning really is. It goes way beyond what your website will ever be able to do. And, you know, these people will differentiate themselves. Uh, uh, having a book that you can give away to people, you know, that's the best business card that you will ever, ever have. And in this day and age, getting a book published on Amazon uh, is super easy. You don't even need a publisher. Um, you know, I've mentored several financial advisors through uh, creating and publishing their first books. It's a process that you follow. But if you're thinking right now, well, maybe I could write a few blogs and I could write a few articles, but a, but a book, wow, that, that's just a, a step too far. I would urge you to open your mind because as financial advisors, you have a huge amount of expertise and that expertise can be repackaged into a variety of different ways. And a book is a great way to do that. And trust me, when you've got a book, doors start to open in all sorts of areas that you simply weren't expecting. So this is a big New Year's resolution and it will be a big goal. And it doesn't matter if it takes you a couple of years to write your book. In fact, most financial advisors, and there's a way you can do this, you know, you can have a book um, to your name in three months, three months easily. 
um, six, but I'd give it six months to a year. Want any help? Just let me know. But I would urge financial advisors, particularly in the UK, to really think about writing a book. Many, many, many financial advisors in the United States and beyond have written books, but for some reason, the vast majority of IFAs and financial plans in the UK feel this isn't particularly important. In the great scheme of things, it's not particularly important, but my goodness, does it add to your credibility and my goodness, does it open doors? So that's a big one, but um, think about different ways that you can differentiate yourself by educating people in a variety of different ways. Now, this is an interesting one, and you may look at the screen here and say referrals and introductions. I already do that. And most financial advisors tell me that most of their new inquiries come from referrals and introductions. And that's not really surprising. You know, when people do experience what a financial advisor does, it's not surprising that someone will then want to go on and refer you to their friends, to their colleagues, to their family, and so on and so, and so forth. However, I do believe that um, things are changing a bit. And I think more and more financial advisors are becoming extremely over-reliant on referrals, particularly if they don't have a documented referral strategy. So well, I, there's a difference there. Doing a great job and seeing referrals coming in through the door is one thing. Having a formal referral strategy is a completely different thing altogether. If you're a financial advisor where you are seeing referrals coming in through the door and you're getting introductions from professional connections, that's great. It means you're doing a great job um, and, you know, and quite rightly so. However, let's just think back a little bit as to how referrals developed. If we go back to before the internet, you know, if you're at a dinner party and you sit around the table and maybe the topic of personal finance or mortgages comes up, something like that, somebody around the table might say, oh, does anybody here, can anyone here recommend a mortgage advisor? My daughter's looking to buy her first property. And, you know, does anybody know a mortgage advisor? And someone around the table would say, yeah, check out my advisor, Jones & Co. They are fantastic. And you would write Jones & Co., uh, down on the napkin and the next day you'd look up the phone number in the yellow pages and you'd phone them up. That recommendation, that referral from another human being was all you needed. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me, it's good enough for my daughter. And that's fine. And that still happens to a certain extent. But things have changed and we all know this. We're at that dinner party today Somebody says, check out Jones & Co Financial Planning. They're awesome. We write down Jones & Co Financial Planning on the napkin. The next day, we don't phone them up. The next day, we wanna do a little due diligence ourselves. First thing we do, we go onto Google. We wanna find Jones & Co Financial Planning's website. We wanna check them out. And when we find that Jones & Co's financial planning website says exactly the same as every other financial planning website in the, in the area, where's that differentiation? Yes, we've got a personal recommendation, but I just want to do a bit more work myself. So I'm a firm believer now that we need to start taking refer. If you're already getting referrals, that's really good. But I believe that we could really, really up our game and get even more and even higher quality referrals. Now, we haven't got the time to do this 
right now. But what I would do is I would defer to the world's leading expert on uh, referral marketing for financial advisors, a guy called Bill Cates. Uh, he's based in the US, um, but his entire market and focus is financial advisors, financial planners. First book I would suggest you read is Get More Referrals Now. And this will start to get you from somebody who is a, ref, uh, a, a reactive receiver or, of referrals to someone who proactively sources the right referrals. And there is a difference there. And I think everybody listening to this understands that there is a difference. So being a reactive receiver of referrals is one thing, but being a proactive, a proactive person who is actively looking for referrals through a strategy is a completely different matter. And Bill will teach you how to do that. And if you're looking for a bit of binge reading on how to attract more and higher quality referrals, um, these are the four books for you. And I highly, highly recommend them. And in fact, if you can absorb all of these books, I trust me, you will never ever need to worry about any form of marketing ever again. So to me, this seems like a no brainer for financial advisors. You already get referrals. Now's the time to do it properly. Yeah. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. On to the next one. Collaboration, collaborating with other local financial advisors. So whenever I research this one with financial advisors, I always ask for, perhaps I'm doing a workshop or a webinar. I always ask for a show of hands and I say, hands up here who has competition from other financial advisors locally in your town, in your area. And rarely do I see a hand go up. So on the one hand, when you look at financial advisor websites, they all tend to say exactly the same thing. In reality, you are different enough from one another that you're not or are very rarely in competition with other local financial advisors, which begs the question, so why aren't you collaborating with other local financial advisors to attract more of the right clients and leads that you want to see in your particular business? Now, I just want to give you one quick example of this. And, and there's an example in my book, Marketing for Financial Advice Professionals, um, from a financial advisor in the United States. And he was talking to some other local financial advisors that he happened to know, and they had this exact same conversation. They realized, you know, we're all in the same town, but in actual fact, we're not in competition. So why don't we work together? And so they all came up with an idea where they created a, a simple website, very, very simple website, which they called a local financial advisor directory. And it, it didn't profess to be the ultimate directory of financial advisors across the United States. It was just a directory of financial advisors in one particular town or city. And it turned out that there were eight, 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 eight or nine of them, some, something like that. And each of them created a little profile, a bit like a little LinkedIn profile. But the most important thing they did was to commit to each of them writing a blog or writing an article for this website um, once a month or once every three months. But, but across the, the eight of them, that, that meant there was enough blog content going onto their little website that would get the attention of Google. 
And of course, Google loves content. Google loves blogs um, because Google wants to serve that up in search results. And to cut a very long story short, and you know, the longer, more detailed version is, is in my book, they found that this collaborative semi-directory local website proved to be turning up on the first pages of Google results for typical keywords that people were searching when looking for financial advisors in their particular area. Now, that's just one example. There are multiple different ways that local financial advisors can collaborate. And you know, the first thing that you can do um, is why not have a look around your particular local area and why not create your own little quarterly or monthly networking group just for you guys, just for financial advisors, meet up in a pub, just talk about what's going on in, uh, in your world. How's business going? How can you help each other out? Could you make introductions to one another? Um, so I'm, I'm sure, and I know that a lot of financial advisors around the, certainly around the UK, you do know other financial advisors, but how far, how much further do you take that? How often do you get together? How often do you get together for a few beers to chew the fat and maybe to come up with some collaborative projects that you could work on together? I think there's a huge amount of opportunity in this, um, for the benefit of each other. So collaboration keyword, I believe, for 2022. Moving on, um, lead generation. And by that, I mean using lead generation firms. So I created the world's first online um, networking group for financial advisors. Back in 2004, it was a private group on a website called Academy. And Academy was a kind of forerunner to LinkedIn. And we got about uh, 400 financial advisors uh, joined our little group and they used it exactly the same way that they use our Facebook group today. They used it to network, share best practice, exchange ideas, have a moan about providers, get little technical tips. You know, the sort of things that financial advisors do in online forums. So that was back in 2004. Fast forward to 2021, 2022, and I look at our Facebook group for financial advisors. I look at my LinkedIn group for financial advisors. The number one topic of conversation, the most asked question since 2004 remains lead generation. And it's usually along the lines of, are any of you using unbiased or any of you using vouch for or any of you using this firm or are you any of you using seminars or is anybody doing this? It's always about is anybody using X, Y, Z to generate leads? Now, there are a number of firms that you can purchase leads from. We, we all know who they are. What's really interesting is when I look at the comments about lead generation firms in our online forums, they are generally not particularly favorable. And um, they always used to fall in the camp of 50% of financial advisors loved a particular lead generation firm, and another 50% of financial advisors loathed a particular lead generation firm. It is always been a split right down the middle. And I think there's also a certain amount of, I don't know, is it impatience? You know, if the first couple of leads that come through don't quite work out, we think, oh, well, that didn't work. That was a waste of money. Um, 
we have certain expectations around lead generation firms that are often not delivered. And I think that often comes down to the fact is that we don't build close enough relationships with lead generation firms so that they can really get to know your business and that you can really get to know how they work as well. Now, I, I fully understand that there are some lead generation firms where, you know, as financial advisors, you are not particularly wild about a particular business model. But there are some changes, um, and I just wanted to give you one particular recommendation. Um, and there is a video on our on my YouTube channel. It's also in our Facebook group uh, where I did an interview with a guy called Sam Perry from a firm called Apoint. Now, what attracted me to Sam and Apoint was their approach to uh, lead generation. And basically, they see lead generation as much, much more of a partnership with the financial advisor and far less of a transaction. And basically, where I'm coming from with, with this is if you are looking to purchase leads or work with a lead generation firm in 2022, I would urge you to manage your expectations perhaps a little better than you might have done up to this particular point. Um, and it is really refreshing to find a firm like Apoint wanting to work much, much closer with financial advisors because it's in, the, it's in their interest to give you good quality and it's in your interest to work with them so that you get the quality that you want to see. So I, I firmly believe that purchasing leads, that whole world is undergoing a, a great deal of change. Um, and if you are thinking about um, working with a lead gen firm, I offer you this particular one. There are all sorts of other lead generation firms out there, but you know, I've been working with financial advisors for 43 years and there have always been lead generation firms. Um, but it has taken all these years for me to find a firm which, which really kind of gets the way a typical financial planning or a financial advice firm works. You know, you can, you can generate leads by working with a Facebook ads expert, um, but they really do have to be an expert and they really do have to understand how a financial advice firm works. What, you know, Facebook ads are really, really powerful if you know how to do it. Um, and I think a lot of people have a little dabble at it. You come up with a bit of budget, but you know, first Facebook advertising, unless you're only doing it for name awareness, you know, for every pound that you spend in Facebook ads, you've really got to be generating two to 10 pounds in profits in, re in return. Um, so it can be a bit of a blunt instrument and purchasing leads can be a bit of a blunt instrument. But what I'm really pleased to see is that there are firms like Apoint that are starting to really want to work much, much closer with financial advisors to understand how they work uh, so that it becomes much more of a partnership um, over time. Okay. Personalization is, I believe, really, really big. If you read any marketing blogs inside or outside of financial services, you will see that personalization of marketing is becoming a big thing. It's becoming a big thing because it's actually quite easy to do. 
um, you know, with uh, digital printing, digital technology, personalization of your marketing is much, much easier than it's ever been before. But to be able to personalize something, you need to have data, you need to have information. Now, anybody who knows me knows that one of my other hobby horses is financial advisor websites that all look the same, all say exactly the same, all have very, very similar imagery. Um, and financial advisors wonder why their, why their website isn't turning visitors into high quality inquiries. And one of the reasons why your website isn't encouraged, for the most part, there are exceptions, obviously, why it isn't encouraging high quality inquiries is because your website is not encouraging people to give you high quality data. The moment you commit to making your website more interactive, in other words, you give people something to do, the moment you make that commitment, that is the moment that you start seeing things happening on your website. Now, let me give you one simple, I mean, ultra simple example. Um, people need to be able to build trust in you. And a simple way to help people build trust in you through your website, one simple, simple thing you can do on your website is to have a box on the homepage, a little thing that asks people, where did you hear about us or how did you hear about us with a little drop down uh, with some options and it might be an existing client it might say facebook it might say linkedin it might say your webinar your podcast whatever just give them some choices that they can pick and when people see that it is a low risk micro commitment for them just to click on, oh, I heard about you through Facebook or I heard about you um, in an industry listing or something like that. That's what's called a micro commitment. People will do something. In other words, they will take a micro action on your website at no risk to them. Another thing you could be thinking about doing is to think really clearly about, um, I mentioned this earlier in your strategy, who's my ideal client? Now let's just imagine for sake of argument that you work in a niche. Maybe your target market is, I don't know, heart surgeons, okay? And if your target market is heart surgeons, that presupposes that you know something about the personal finance situations of heart surgeons. So your website, instead of having pictures of people flying kites or hot air balloons or um, lighthouses. Your website should have a picture of, guess what, a heart surgeon. And your website should say something along the lines of, are you a heart surgeon concerned about your level of income when you come to retire? If you are, enter your email address and download our free guide for heart surgeons. That's called a lead magnet, yeah? Now, a lot of financial advisors in the UK don't like the expression lead magnet. It sounds a bit salesy, um, but that's exactly what it is. You're giving somebody the opportunity to interact and engage with your website in a very low risk way. They see something that is potentially of value to them. And let's imagine I'm a heart surgeon, I'm looking for a financial advisor. I arrive on your website because it says you deal with heart surgeons. It says, are you concerned about your level of income in retirement? Perhaps I am. It says, if I give you my email address, you'll give me an e-guide, which will give me some educational value. Remember I mentioned education earlier. 
So it's a pretty low risk thing for me to do. And it's a fair exchange of value. I give you my email address. I get an instant download. So this is low risk stuff. But the psychology of it is that people start to trust you. They can make these micro commitments and that helps to build further trust so that they want to stick around longer. Now, one thing you can do is to put this approach on steroids. And let me sh now show you how I collect data on my website that enables me to highly personalize my approach to people who visit my website. So one of the things I do is LinkedIn training, LinkedIn consultancy. And so what I do is I've got a website which has got like a, a LinkedIn quiz on it. And when people arrive on uh, my LinkedIn quiz, it says, are you ready to attract more of your ideal clients, customers and connections on LinkedIn? Discover your LinkedIn strengths and weaknesses in the next five minutes when you get your personalized score assessment and report. Now, what I could do is I could just have uh, something like I mentioned earlier. I could have an e-guide and I've got plenty of those. And I could say something like, are you looking for more clients on LinkedIn? Give us your email address, download our free guide a certain percentage of people will actually do that. Now, you remember a little bit earlier, I said to people, when you are on LinkedIn, as part of your LinkedIn plan, your LinkedIn communication, think about how, when people visit your profile, think about what you wanna do next. Think about what you wanna to do to get them off LinkedIn, into that coffee shop, yeah? Or onto that Zoom call. So the way I do that is literally, Everybody I engage with on LinkedIn, so everybody who looks at my LinkedIn profile or everybody who wants to connect with me, I send them a little message along the lines of, hi, Fred, hi, Mary, uh, thanks for looking at my LinkedIn profile today, or yes, it's great to connect. Just out of interest, why are you on LinkedIn? Now, they've shown some interest in me. So if I reply to them with a question, it is extremely likely that they will respond. So when I ask them the question, why, just out of interest, why are you on LinkedIn? The overwhelming majority of people reply to me and they say, well, I'm looking for new clients or I'm looking for useful connections and so on and so forth. So I then reply to them back and I say, so just out of interest, how's that going for you? How are you finding LinkedIn? Is it working for you? And most people reply to me, well, sometimes, but mostly not. So I then say to them, well, look, I've got a little LinkedIn quiz. I've got a, an assessment. Uh, I've got a thing called a scorecard, a health check, whatever you want to call it. I've got like a LinkedIn quiz. And when you take my LinkedIn quiz, it will tell you how well or how effectively or not, as the case may be, you are using LinkedIn. Here, give it a go. And I give them the link to my little website here, which has got my LinkedIn quiz on it. Now, let me tell you, 99 people out of 100 will then go through my LinkedIn quiz. And I ask them a bunch of questions about how they use LinkedIn. Um, is your profile fully complete? Have you got a professionally taken photo? Have you put your contact details in? To what extent is it aimed at your ideal client? Lots of questions about how they use LinkedIn. And then it gives them a score and it gives them a personalized report with their name on it. 
So in other words, I have collected data through the medium of the questions, and then I have given them a personalized response. And I can go back to them. I can pick up the phone if they've given me their phone number, or I can send them an email and I can say, hey, Mary, Fred, thanks for taking my LinkedIn health tech today. I hope you found it interesting. I noticed from your answers to your quiz that, you know, you've, you've, you've done quite well. You, your profile is, is up to speed. You've got a professionally taken photo. It appears to be aimed at your ideal clients. But I noticed a few other things from your answers. I noticed that you're not a member of any groups. You're perhaps not using your company page, or I noticed that you're not posting much content on LinkedIn. And your answers also suggested that you're not using the site to network with people and you're not using scripts. Then I say to them, you know, your score and therefore your overall experience of LinkedIn could be dramatically improved. Would you like some help with that? And what they then say is, that sounds great, Phil. How much do you charge? Well, you know, that's the kind of direction of travel that we're looking for. Now, let me tell you that this technique of collecting data through the medium of a quiz has been one of the most effective tools I have ever used in my entire career to attract new leads uh, to my website. Not just people who visit my website, but people who actually engage with it. They actually take action. They actually give me information and their email address and their contact details that I can then use and follow up in a highly personalized way. One of the most effective things I've ever done. Now, there is no earthly reason why a financial advisor can't use this approach as well to collect data in a GDPR compliant fashion through their website, through the medium of a quiz. And some of you may have heard me talking about this before, the concept of scorecards. Now, call it a scorecard. You can call it a quiz. You can call it a health check. You can call it assessment. You can call it an MOT. It doesn't really matter what you call it. And of the financial advisors that do have scorecards, and, you know, over the last year, I've worked with dozens of financial advisors uh, to help them put their scorecards together. These tend to be the themes for their scorecard. So it's a quiz at the end of the day. And the quiz is titled up, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Website Visitor, are you emotionally ready for retirement? Or are you financially ready for the next phase of your life? Or are you ready to accomplish your life's dreams? That's something that, you know, life planners, financial life planners tend to use. Is your mindset ready for retirement? How clear are your plans for retirement? Could you unlock a better retirement using equity in your home? All of these have a quiz behind them that asks the website visitor a bunch of questions, usually anything between 15 and 40 questions that are not intrusive. Uh, they don't ask questions like, how much money have you got invested in equity funds? And, you know, these are questions, the sort of questions that you would probably ask someone uh, when you meet them for the first time. And people love a quiz. It is a simple fact of life. And all of us have done these sort of online quizzes on before, you know, could I lose 10 pounds in the next 10 weeks? Find out in the next five minutes when you answer these questions. Um, could I be a, am I a natural leader at work? Uh, could I run a marathon? Um, am I fit enough to run an Ironman? Could I be a better lover? You know, all these sort of online quizzes, we've all done them. We all love them. And 
at the end of the day, when you strip away the fluff, the frills and the marketing icing on the top, what you're actually doing is you're collecting data through the medium of a quiz, a proven way to encourage people to engage with your online presence. So I want you to give that some thought. Um, collecting data and personalizing your follow-up is not a new idea. Financial advisors back in the 70s and 80s were collecting information on a handout um, at seminars and workshops. It's only today that there's proprietary software that enables you to create your online quiz, your online scorecard, your online health check that enables you to actually do this. To me, this is an absolute game changer in financial advisor marketing, and it turns your website from what is basically a brochure into something that genuinely gives real value to your website visitors. People want to engage with your quiz. They are more than happy to answer the questions, but it gives you the financial data, financial advisor data, and you can literally pick and choose the ones that you want to follow up uh, as they go through your go through your scorecard. So think about, don't think about the word scorecard, think about personalization and data. And this is something I've been doing a lot of. I, I personally, I've got about 10 different scorecards that I use to collect leads and to collect data. And they just work. It's as simple as that. Um, so have a think about that. If this is a completely new concept to, to you, feel free to get in touch with me. Um, more than happy to have a you know complimentary uh, chat online on Zoom and show you how these things. And I can show you some real examples of financial advisor scorecards. So I, I said 10, top 10. I just want to give you one more. Let's, let's over-deliver. Um, and to talk about PR. Um, PR is so old school, it's ridiculous, but it still works amazingly well. And financial advisors that have a habit and they've got into the habit of using PR um, really swear by it. What, what do I mean by PR? Sounds like something that only big corporates use. PR is simply building relationships with the press telling them about things that are going on in your financial advice business. When I first went self-employed, um, a, a friend of mine is a lady called Jackie Harper. Uh, you may recognize the name. She used to be a, a news anchor. She was on Sky, she was on Breakfast TV. Um, and so she knew all about PR. And she said to me, Phil, you're starting your own business. What's your PR strategy? And I said to Jackie, I have no idea what you're talking about. I haven't got one. She said, well, what you want to do is to get into the habit of when anything happens in your business, tell the press. Just send a simple press release uh, to your local press and also to your industry press. Just tell the press. If you've taken on a really good new client, tell the press. If you've been on a, um, uh, an important training course that's given you a new skill, tell the press. If you've uh, invested in some fancy software in your business, tell the press. If you've won an award, tell the press. If you paint the outside of your office, tell the press. Just build relationships by telling the press. I said, now, nine out of ten press releases that you send the press will not end up in the press. But you can still put that press release on your website and Google will pick it up. 
But here's the thing. What you're actually doing is building relationships with journalists, local journalists, industry journalists, journalists in niche markets that you happen to focus on as well. So that when the day comes that a particular journalist's need, you know, maybe something has happened in the news. Maybe there's been a budget and the Chancellor of the Exchequer has dramatically changed tax on pensions or something like that. Who are the journalists going to want expert comment from? They're going to want it from financial advisors with whom they have a relationship. That'll be you. So, you know, PR, there's a lot of sort of smoke and mirrors about what is PR. Just, just Google it. Google how to write a press release. It's super simple. Basically, journalists want it. They want news. They want value. They want something they can write about that will fill common column inches in their newspaper and online as well. And there are some financial advisors who basically have built their businesses around just working with industry journalists. So, you know, super simple one, very, very powerful. You know, these 11 things that I've been talking about, they're all in my book, Marketing for Financial Advice Professionals. The 2022 version has just come out. You can find that on Amazon. Um, and, you know, I hope you found that useful. But what I've just been talking about, those 11 things, I said, they're not just things that have come off the top of my head. They've all been based on what I've observed is or is not going on in financial advice businesses. They are all things that financial advisors have raised with me. They are all things that financial advisors are doing to some extent, but could be doing a lot more, arguably a lot better, arguably a lot more effectively. So I hope you found that particularly useful. Um, I hope you'll be joining our dedicated Life Talk Marketing Club that begins early February 2022, where uh, every single month there will be a webinar just for members only. It will be run a bit like a mastermind group where we will be sharing uh, things that are going well, things that are not going well. We'll be asking questions. People will have accountability partners. You'll be able to get focus. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun as well. And you can find it at advisorlifetalk.com forward slash financial advisor marketing club, or just hold your mobile phone camera up to that QR code and it should take you straight to uh, finding out more information. Uh, it's one of the most exciting things that I've done. Um, it is for financial advisors, whether you are a self-employed financial advisor, whether you run your own business, whether you are employed, um, whether you are a network member, whether you are RI, whether you're directly authorized, if you are a financial advisor or a business manager, or even a power planner as well, there will be something for you. It's not just about how you market your services and your products as financial advisor, but also how you market yourself. How do you present yourself to people? And you will find an absolute mountain of valuable content that will help you to get towards those goals that we were talking about. So that's it for now. Thank you so much for listening. If you've got any questions, uh, you know where to find me. Philip at financialadvice.marketing. Philip at financialadvice.marketing. Or find me on LinkedIn um, and I'll be more than happy to help you out. So thanks again and great talking to you today.